Robert, but it's so good to see you here anyway. And I wanted to thank Mary, especially this last week I got a card from her and I told her that she has the most beautiful handwriting and it was wonderful to get that because I could read it. And I appreciated that so much. I love beautiful handwriting. I have never had it. And in school, they always failed me in my handwriting thing. When they wanted me to draw the circles, I couldn't do it very well. But anyway, we'll just get right into the lesson. I want to tell you, I thank you for your kind prayers and the love that you have extended to me. John mentioned a little bit last week, began with the end in mind. And that was in his sermon. I don't know whether he knew whether I was listening or not, but I was. And so in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, for by him, that is by Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. As we read this, I want you to recognize something, and that is that God had a plan. And that plan, he started before he ever created the world, before he ever created the universe, before he ever created all of the things that we see about us every day. God had a plan, and he began in the beginning, but he also could see the end, and that's one of the things that if you're going to begin something, you need to be able to see the end of that thing, to see the goal of that. And we need to think about the end because we're all heading towards that end, and at the end is where the beginning starts for us. And in this end, what kind of a person have you been? I want you to just think about that for a minute. What kind of a person have you been when they're preaching your funeral, what are they going to say about you? What are they going to say what kind of person you've been? And more than that, when you stand at the judgment seat, what was, was God going to say the kind of person that you have been? And what kind of a parent have you been? You know, we're responsible to raise our children. And I learned how to raise children after I raised children. I didn't know it when I was raising them, but after I raised them, I figured out how you're supposed to raise children. So if you want to know how to raise children, just ask me, and I can tell you now because I didn't know when I was raising them. And what kind of a church member are you? Just think about that. What kind of a church member are you? I'm going to tell you, you're a loving people. You're a great people. We do have some problems in attendance sometimes, but you're great church members. And what kind of a Christian are you? And those are questions that we ought to ask our second self. If you'll notice, what's God, what are you going to say when you stand before the judgment seat? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So God says you're going to stand at the judgment seat, and Christ is going to be the judge, and you're going to give an answer of how you live this life. So you have to be very careful when you're talking about that. So when I say, let's begin with the end in mind with any goal. I don't care what your goal is. You need to be able to see where you're going. I've always appreciated Mike Bruchetta's uh, ideas. He's got inventions in his head. 
but they go nowhere. He's got all these inventions and they're there and they're great. And I tell you, if we, we invented this, we could make a lot of money. But he says, no, I'm not interested in money. I just got these ideas. And the idea is not worth a flip if you don't <laughs> do anything with it. And we need to have a clear understanding of our destination. You know, when you get ready to go somewhere, I don't care whether it's to Palm Springs or wherever, you need to recognize this is how you get there. You need to recognize where you're going. Sometimes my wife and I just take a trip and she'll say, where do you want to go today? And we will decide, well, we go to Ohio or we go over here to Thousand Oaks. But we always know where we're going. Now, we may take a sidetrack somewhere and then we get back on the path. But one of the things you know is we know where we're going. If you know where you're going, you know where you are. Isn't that true? If you don't know where you are, it's pretty hard to figure out where you're going and how to get there. One of the things I've noticed, and Trevor is here today, and beautiful Trevor, he's, he's just a great guy. The Navy couldn't run without him. And, and uh, that's my grandson, and it's wonderful to have him here. And the first Noel is here today, too. And so we're so happy about that. But you have to understand what it's going to take to get to your destination. I went to see Trevor and Noel, and we got lost. And they had to direct me. I didn't have any idea where I was, so we called them and said, this is where we're at. We don't know where it's at, but we've got this all around. And they came and found us and then took us to where we were supposed to go. And in Philippians, the third chapter, the Apostle Paul says in 3, 13 and 14, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And Paul is saying very simply, I know where I'm going. I know what the destination is. I know who is there. I know that God is there. I know that Jesus Christ is there. And I know that I have to get there. And I know how to do that. I have the plan. And I've started at the beginning. And I'm going to finish the course because that's my destination. If you have that kind of a clear understanding in your mind, then you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And he says over in first, uh, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day that has been entrusted to me. So he says, not only do I know where I'm going, I know who's going to take me there. And that is a familiar thing that I get a personal relationship with Christ so that I know where I'm going. I know how to get there because I'm following the instructions. One of the great things of today, I take my telephone or my iPad when we go somewhere and I look on there and we have that thing that's called, what's it called that directs you? 
GPS. 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 Aren't they wonderful? You can put that in there and it tells you where to go. Now, sometimes it has taken us to nowhere. <laughs> but ordinarily, we get there because that thing tells you where to go. In fact, mine is activated where the voice says, you turn right here or you go there. It's just wonderful. And that's exactly what the Bible does. It says, this is the way to get there. And I look in there and I say, the beginning place is when I obeyed the gospel and now I am going to grow and I'm going to get to that place because Christ is directing me. And if you don't have directions, you're in a mess. All things, I don't care what they are, are created twice. First of all, it's as Mike does, you get a mental picture and that mental picture means that I have in my mind, I can see it. Have you noticed your imagination, how wonderful it is that you can actually project yourself somewhere and see where you're going to go? My wife and I know Palm Springs pretty well, and we can picture that we're going to be there. I've never been to Hawaii, but I've had the picture many times, and I know how to get there, and I'm not going to get there because you have to fly. Now, if you could walk over there, I'd walk over to Hawaii and enjoy it, but I'm not going to fly. Well, just think about that mental picture that I start with. If you don't have a mental picture, then you're running in confusion. And then there's the actual building of the picture. That when you start building that, this is true of building a house. What do you start with? You start with a plan. And then you start laying the foundation and you move up. But you have to have the plan to start with. I've got to know what kind of a house I'm building. That's true even in earlier times before the building permits and all of that, they had an idea and a plan in their mind of this is the house we're going to build. And if you don't have that plan, you do. What about building a character? Don't you have to have a plan of how to do that? To build your character, he said, you have to have a plan. And building a Christian. In 2 Peter, uh, the first chapter, verse 5 through 11, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you notice something, this is a building plan. I know where I'm going next. I've got this. I've got faith. Now I'm going to go to virtue. And from virtue, I'm going to moving right along because I have the plan in my head. God has told me this is what you get first. This is what you get second. This is what you just keep building 
until you've got all these things in place. And he says, once you've got it, if you do those things, if you keep growing in that, you will never fall. But you have to define what you're trying to accomplish. Now, if you don't define what you're trying to accomplish, you're not going to accomplish anything. Failure comes in four ways. And you just think about this in life. I don't care whether you're, where you're at, where you're, people say all the time, you know what, I can't give. And you know why? Because you haven't planned. You haven't planned. That's the reason. Undercapitalization. You know, if you don't have what it takes to get there, you're not going to get there. Does that make sense? I have to have the proper tools or I have to have the financial stability or whatever it is, I have to have that before I can get to where I'm going. And we misunderstand sometimes what is required. What is really required for this? You know, I wanted to be a doctor one time. And then I said, oh, no, that's going to take too much work. Then I said, I want to be a teacher. And then I said, no, I don't want to go four years. And then I said, here I am. I turned out to be a preacher. <laughs> well, when you get to the low place in the totem pole, you have decided this is what I want to do. And when I started to be honest in preaching, I had no idea where I wanted to go. I knew I wanted to go to heaven as a Christian. But where do you go as a preacher? And you have to lay foundational things along the way so that as you start building, that you finally say, this is what I want to accomplish and why I want to accomplish it, and there is a plan of how to do it. I don't know that you know it a lot or not, but it takes a lot to put a sermon together. It really does. It takes a lot to put a sermon together. It takes a lot to put a class together. It takes a lot of studying. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of what, do I mean, what am I trying to get across. And sometimes with all that planning, I don't get it across very well. But one thing that you want to do is you have the plan and you know how that you're supposed to put it together. John and I sat sometimes and we work an hour or two working on a lesson that he's going to present or I'm going to present. And it's wonderful because we have a plan. And you have to have or you don't have a workable plan. That's one of the problems. That's why you fail. You don't have a workable plan. If you don't have a workable plan, Ron every day gets up and he's got a workable plan of what he's going to do as he goes out into the landscaping business. And that was true when I was in the landscaping business. Whatever you're doing, you have to have a workable plan. You go to work every day and there's certain things and you enjoy your work, don't you? You, Noel, the first Noel. The first Noel enjoys her job. Jordan enjoys his job. John enjoys his job. Me, what a horrible job. <laughs> and you have to have the energy to accomplish your plan. 
If you don't have the energy, you can't do it. Now, I don't mean that you have to have a lot of maxi this way. I'm saying that you have to have up here the energy to complete this. My mind is going to work in such a way that I am going to convey to others that I love the Lord, and I'm going to convey to God that I love Him, and even if I'm on a sickbed, I can praise God and I can go to heaven. I can get there because it takes a lot of work in here of depending upon the Lord. You realize that that is the real problem. Whenever we get down, we don't depend upon the Lord. Depend upon the Lord. How do you do that? Get faith. Then add virtue. Then right on down until you get that workable plan going. Now this is true in this energy, he says. I want you to see what he says in all this. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? What are you doing over there, John? Well, I'm building a tower. Uh, what are you building it out of? Well, I've got it built in my head. Well, where's your material? Well, I don't have any material, but I, I want a tower built. Well, now that's kind of stupid, isn't it? If you're going to build a tower, you've got to have the material to do it. Whether he has enough to complete. Otherwise, when he laid the foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going down out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So, therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Think about the cost of that. Everything that I have, I'm renouncing for the cause of Christ. Everything else is secondary, thirdary, fourthary. But I'm going to come and this is going to be my number one thing is I'm going to have the relationship with Jesus Christ above everything else. And if I lose everything else, I've still gained everything because I have Christ. Now, this is true in raising children. Do you know most people that raise children? I was 19 years old when, when uh, my daughter Joyce was born. Had to remember which it was. <laughs> my daughter Joyce. I had no idea how to raise kids. I knew I liked her. <laughs> I knew she was sweet to look at when she was asleep. I knew all that. But I went to a doctor one time because I took her to a pediatrician. And the pediatrician says something's wrong with her. She's not gaining the weight that she should. I said, oh, no, oh, no, no. And so went through a lot of things. And finally, and she cried a lot. Finally, I went to my old family doctor. Dr. Weed was his name. And I said, something's wrong with my daughter. He looked at her and said, what's wrong with her? I said, something's wrong with her. 
He said, what's wrong with her? I said, well, she's not gaining weight the way she should. He said, you know what? You're a skinny individual. And at 19, I was skinny. He said, she's skinny. There's nothing wrong with her except one thing. Take her home, give her a whipping, and she'll be all right. <laughs> oh, I couldn't stand that. But he was right. If you're going to have a good marriage, it takes a lot of work, doesn't it, Pagey? It takes a lot of work. You see, I told her the other day, I said, you know what, Pagey, I see what you do. She said, what do I do? I said, well, I can give you the best picture of you under the table. I'm get, giving you my secrets now. She said, what do you mean? I said, after I eat, I see you down on your hands and knees picking up where I was sitting. That tells you a lot about what she does. You see, those are precious things. It takes a lot of work. And she does that because she likes a clean house or she loves me and doesn't give me a wooden bowl to sit out and back. <laughs> and living a Christian life, living a Christian life, oh, if I'm going to live a Christian life, I have to have the plan. I have to have the capitalization. I have to have all that. And if I'm going to go to heaven, it takes planning. You're not going to just accidentally one day trip into heaven. You planned for it. Uh, I'll tell you, one of the joys that I've had is Stephen and Monica, watching them being so faithful. And you know, he can see a lot better than most of us. And then, takes leadership and management of our lives. All successful people lead and manage their lives. If you don't manage your life, you're out of control. And to get in control, you say, I'm going to manage. Do you realize some people say, well, I don't have a budget. Well, if you don't have a budget, then you're not in control. You have to have a budget. In Galatians, the sixth chapter and verse five, for each will have to bear his own load. You know what? I can't bear that kind of load for you. There are some things that I can help you with, but not that responsibility that you have. You're going to have to take it. And then in Romans 14, 12, so then each one of us will give an account to himself to God. When Sheila stands before the judgment seat, Mason can't go up there and say, well, you know, she, I think Sheila ought to get in. No, she's going to have to stand there alone. John's going to stand there alone. Paige's going to stand there alone. And management is essential in climbing the ladder of success. You know what? You can, don't become successful standing at the bottom rung of the ladder. You've got to start climbing, don't you? That's just an absolute. And the leadership 
determines if the ladder is leaning against the right wall. Where is that ladder leaning? I think sometimes, you know, Greg, our contractor, he was on the ladder and he fell off the thing. Broke his leg. Went through so much pain. You got to be sure that that ladder is there. Stephen is going to do some painting and I don't like for him to be on a ladder, but uh, if he falls off, Monica said it's okay. So I've, I'm going to let him do that. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name and then will I declare to them, them I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house but it not, did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The ladder's leaning on the wrong wall. If I'm going to believe what I believe, then practice what I believe. Do it. It's easy to say I'm a Christian, but you know, one of the great problems, I don't know that you know this, the church of Christ is going down in numbers. Did you know that? And do you know why it's going down? Because we don't have real disciples. That's why. Real disciples are following Christ and there is a workable plan that they're working. And they're talking to people about the Lord. Do you realize that many people cannot go through the Bible and tell you this is what this book is about? Every book in the Bible, every Christian ought to know this is what this book is about. Here's the main theme in this thing. And if I want to know about the church, where do I go, John? About the church. Ephesians. That's it. If I want to know about the beginnings, Genesis. If I want to know about delivery from the evil, Exodus. And if I want to know about how to control my tongue, what book do I go to, one? Huh? He said the whole book. James. James. All right. Over in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I know my labor is not in vain. If my goal is right, if my attitude is right, if, my, if I'm trying to grow and if I'm trying to hit that mark, I know that I'm okay. If not, I'm not okay, and we need to examine ourselves in that. Over in Matthew 15, 13, he said, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. 
So what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, is the attitude right? Is the Lord promoting me? Or is this my agenda? Is this something that I just have to do because I'm afraid of hell? We have to get a center reference point to build upon. And that center reference point is the promises of God. If you don't have the promises of God, you're in a mess. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may be protectors of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Do you realize how much we are captured by the world today? I mean the world is capturing us. I talked to Brother LaBelle the other day, and you know he's going through this heart problem. He's in AFib now, and he's not going to take anything uh, that the doctor prescribes. But one of the things that you notice is that many times, and I had this in my health deal, we have not planned at all for a catastrophe. We have planned that we're going to go and 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 then all of a sudden Ron's back goes out, Ron's neck goes out, Ron has to have an operation, Ron's off work. Well, we just didn't plan for it. And all of us are that way, it seems like. There's four great building blocks that I want to talk real quickly about. And that is, number one, you need security. And to get that security, you have to have a sense of your worth. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Now, I should, don't, don't say, I've read that before. Personalize this. For God so loved me, and he gave his only son that me, if I believe in him, I should not perish but have eternal life. That's for me. That's for me to understand. In Matthew 10, 30, 31, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Oh, I just don't feel it like any good. He says, I want to tell you something. Trevor, Tyler, God knows how many hairs are on your head. And he knows how many hairs are on that little lip. <laughs> he knows. Isn't that amazing? God knows those things. And... That gives me a sense of value. And that value makes me feel secure because I know God loves me. If I can get that in my head, your identity is what is unique about you. Are you your emotional anchorage, are you in really in charge? And your self-esteem, your personal willpower, do you have all of this together? And you need guidance. When you have guidance, what directs your personal direction? Over in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on, to, on, on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. But God, I can't listen to you because this is the way I am. God said, No, no. You listen to me if you want to be successful. If you don't, you know, 
I know somebody that is going through rough times. And they don't even know that they've left the Lord. Or they don't go to church anymore. But they're having all kinds of problems. And they can't find peace. They can't find security. They can't find anything. I wonder why. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls down by his own wickedness. There's the problem. This sets our principles in life and how we make decisions of what we will do. And you know what? You need wisdom also. He says, let the Lord direct your hearts. When we talk about wisdom, what's your perspective in life? How do you look at life? You know, somebody says the glass is half full or the glass is half empty. Well, how do you look at life? Your sense of balance. And this requires that you have judgment and discernment. You know, some people cannot see what's right and wrong. And this takes comprehension. In Ephesians 1.17, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Do you know how you get that? You don't get it by reading the Bible. You get that by really, truly studying the Bible to know how much God loves you. And you know the, that God has revealed these things to you. I was studying this week and studying for Philippians. And something hit me that hadn't hit me before. And I'll introduce it Wednesday night and, and talk about it probably uh, quite a bit. But it says, who being in the form of God, and I have always thought that that meant when God was in heaven, but I have discovered that I believe it means that when God was here upon this earth, that he was in the form of God. Think about that. So th new things come. In Colossians 1 and verse 9, and so from the, very, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray, pray, pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Oh, I talked to somebody the other day and they said, you know what, I've been studying about diet, been studying about diet. And I said, you know what, in your diet, there's one thing that you're going to find out, you're going to die. <laughs> you can study that all day. But if I study the spiritual things, I'll live forever. You know, I think when I get to heaven, I'll look back and say, oh, why didn't I eat all the hamburgers I wanted and get here quicker? But I... In Colossians 2, 3, in whom are hidden, that is in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's what I need to get. And you need power. And that is the faculty or ability to act. 
You know, it's easy to just sit down. I'll tell you what, sometimes I just sit down and I don't want to get up. But the ability to act, the strength to accomplish something, and the energy to make choices and decisions. I have a daughter, my youngest daughter. She can't make a decision. Oh, I think she's learning now, but she couldn't make a decision. Say, make a decision. I don't know which way to go. I don't know which way to go. The capacity to overcome bad habits and develop new ones. In John 1.12, but all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's a decision you make. That's a decision. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So do you believe? That's, that's something you have to make a decision about. So, security and clear guidance brings true wisdom. And wisdom releases direct power. And when these four things are present, it will produce a noble personality a balanced character, and a beautiful integrated life. The lesson is yours. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're here and you're not living close to God, why don't you come home today while together we stand and sing?